the word of the Lord <clears throat> from Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. In the first book, O Theophilus, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach, until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering, by many proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. When he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way you saw him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. The text for our gospel proclamation comes from the first reading of Acts 1, 1-11 for the ascension of our Lord and serves the basis of our theme, every sinner matters or no one matters. There are synoptic gospels, and there are non-synoptic gospels. Synoptic meaning the eyewitness account by an individual, inspired by the Holy Spirit, wrote down what they witnessed. Matthew and Mark are synoptics in the traditional sense. Luke, on the other hand, who also wrote the Acts of the Apostles, is a synoptic as well, but not in the traditional sense. Luke did not necessarily witness everything for himself, which happened in his account. But he did investigate the ones who did. So not only do we get his eyewitnesses, but we get the eyewitnesses of Mary telling him what she said in her Magnificat, the eyewitnesses of Zechariah who detailed his prophecy concerning Jesus to Luke, Simeon who told him the hymn he sang when he saw Jesus for the first time, that we still sing to this day, the Nunc Dimittis, the song of Simeon, when we depart ourselves after communing with and being in the presence of the very body and blood of Christ. Not just an eyewitness account, but the account of many eyewitnesses. So Luke continues his inspiration from the Holy Spirit to show us what happens 40 days after Jesus is risen from the dead. And like a first century gumshoe detective, he lays out a case for the end of Jesus' days in the flesh on earth and details what we should do with the clues that help us solve the crime of sin in this world. 
first. We must tell the world what they are and what they are in danger of losing should they ignore our message of hope. For the disciples were once without hope and without a savior from their sin. So we were once by nature sinful and unclean with nary a chance of salvation as well. Likewise, the world without Christ lacks any expectation of redemption. But the disciples were chosen to be Christians. They were given the truth of life found in Christ alone, who they believed in as the Messiah and witnessed firsthand his death and resurrection that saved them from their sins. But they weren't done there. Having gone from being pagans to Christians, they now would be sent forth as apostles to tell the world what they knew so they would hear the gospel of Jesus too and receive the redemption of their souls and as new missionaries be sent as well. It's funny today that many people have assumed our identity by calling themselves disciples of various things. <laughs> Some are disciples of charismatic figures who started their own religion or philosophical way of life that called for communal living and giving up the traditional trappings of the commercial world. Some are sold out disciples for the company they work for, convinced giving their all, heart, soul, and mind would be the formula for their satisfying career goals. Some are disciples of their bodies, nutritional eating, body shaping, and zen-like meditation. Peak fitness brings them to the pinnacle of their health goals to be shared, promoted, win bodybuilding contests, and be sought after nutritional experts to everyone. Some are disciples of cryptozoology. Bigfoot sightings, UFOs, skinwalkers, and werewolves. We don't know what any of these are. Basically, they're unverifiable mythical creatures and objects that are routinely reported as naturally occurring phenomena, even though there's no widespread, peer-reviewed scientific data concerning any of it. But what if it was? What if there are real aliens flying around in their UFOs? What if Bigfoot is just the holdover of Gigantopithecus, whom we thought went extinct right after Noah's time? What if there are giant man-wolves that can be taken down by the purity of a silver bullet? Well, even if there are, and I'm not saying there are, it's not like they're God incarnate in man. It's not like they're the fulfillment of the prophecy of the salvation of the world. It's not even like any of them could do anything that would redeem the sinner and save their soul from hell. At the end of the day, they would just be a coelacanth, a dodo bird, the Tasmanian devil recreated from extinction, or an aberrant asteroid hitting the earth with enough metal to make a decent bowie knife. But that knife is not the sword of truth that cuts some in and cuts some out. Recreations are not resurrections that give us hope for the world that we one day will be resurrected to. 
After all the investigation is done and the data is collected and the report is made, the crime of sin remains unsolved where cryptozoology is concerned. Here in our gospel, we have a completely different conclusion and a true remedy for the iniquity we all struggle with. Jesus ascends so the paraclete can and will guide our efforts and order our days. Today's account has Luke laying out all the facts and figures of just what the Holy Spirit is sent for. And he guides us as the ultimate counselor I talked about last week, soon to be manifest himself in a powerfully undeniable way at the Feast of Pentecost. But that is a sermon for another day. Today, we will look at the murder book, if you will, and solve the crime of sin. I don't know how many of you like police procedurals in fiction form. I find them fascinating. My favorite is the Harry Bosch series. Recently, there was a TV show version that came out and it was pretty good. But the Bosch character in writing simply can't be outdone. His character is flawed and real, just like all of us. But his gift is caring about the least in the city of Los Angeles that most in the department don't consider worthy of wasting the meager resources of the police. While I understand why many will go unnoticed, after all, they are homeless, streetwalkers, illegal immigrants that have died in mysterious circumstances that nobody will miss them. Harry has a mindset that I think is motivated by Christ himself. Even though I'm fairly certain the creator of the character, Michael Connolly, probably didn't consider that at all. And that mindset is simply put by Detective Harry Bosch. Everyone matters or no one matters. So as Harry picks up the case or the cold case, as he did in later novels, he starts with the mentality of everyone matters. But what matters the most in the investigation is the clues documented in the murder book. And like a team of exegetes carefully translating the word of God from Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic, Harry pours over his text, the murder book, and searches for what he may have missed that helps him solve the crime. I love the moment when Michael Connolly slowly lets out little details we saw before, but now systemically puts them together like a puzzle to reveal the likely motive, means, and opportunity of the murderer, and then shores up the evidence necessary to bring it to the district attorney to prosecute the criminal and achieve justice. Today's lesson is mysterious indeed, but it does leave us with some clues about everyone involved and affirm the miracle that gives us confidence looking forward to Pentecost when the Holy Spirit explodes onto the scene to spiritually and literally anoint the disciples who become apostles with a message of redemption to the world. First, we have this curious figure of Theophilus who was greeted in the beginning of Luke, Luke's first book, and Acts being his second. Is it an actual man? Or should we read the Greek text straight and simply call it what it is? Theophilus simply meaning one who loves God. We also know that these are ones who were taught by Jesus himself, saw his miracles, 
and now witness him physically ridden from the dead. After 40 days of personal instruction, they are now educated in how the church will be set up and they start doing it exactly like we do today, shortly after Jesus ascends, as we learn from chapter 2, verse 42 of the Acts of the Apostles. So, those who love God have been personally taught by God in the flesh and are particularly chosen by God himself to start God's church for everyone. And boy, did God mean everyone. Almost immediately, Gentiles are given the spirit of God in chapter 10. Women are featured as necessary for building the kingdom of heaven on earth in chapter 16. Even the dead are raised for the sake of comforting the people and revealing God in their midst. Chapter 20. Truly, everyone mattered to the early church. And if everyone matters... That means everyone needed the message of hope that is found in the cross, not as an implementation of death, but as a symbol of life for those who believe Jesus died there for sinners who need saving and rose from the dead to prove his divinity and majesty over our former slave master, the devil. The Ascension Commission is still our mission to this day. We see the eyewitness account of Jesus ascending to the right hand of the Father, knowing he has sent his Holy Spirit to guide us and help us in that mission. We know that if the Father is everywhere, Jesus at the right hand of the Father is everywhere too. So we know the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit never leave us or forsake us. He didn't go away from us. He goes where we need him for us. Jesus knows. The Holy Spirit helps us in that knowledge that in the Father's creation, every sinner matters or no one matters. Amen. Now may that peace which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus always. Amen.